0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode 29. And we are joined by Miss Michaela Rose, the founder of Style and Vibes. And today we're going to be discussing from blogger to brand expert how to work with brands. Hello, Michaela.
1: Hello, how are you, Joe? Very, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the platform. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, yes, thank you so much for coming on. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear everything you have to say today about blogging and branding and all that, that good stuff. So first of all, tell us how you began. How did you get to where you are today?
1: Well, I started Styling Vibes um, back in 2007. Um, at the time, I was uh, graduating from college. Um, I was working at a radio station on campus um, doing music, uh, radio stuff. And I actually wanted to be a VJ, you know, on MTV and what? all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I knew um, <laughs> I wanted to take a journalistic approach to, to, um, to music. Right. um so i I had started writing freelance writing and interning at various um different uh Caribbean influence brands, um even way back when so I worked at m t v s temple when they had just launched um I was doing some freelance writing at the time for Jamrock magazine um and I just needed a place to kind of house all the things that I had been creating mm-hmm. but I knew that people weren't just interested and me and what i was doing um but in terms of like you know news and you know the latest music what was happening in the culture and there really wasn't an online space for that outside of um chat rooms and message boards you know the, that those types of communities and it was more or less conversations around particular particular music and it was very siloed so it was like you know dancehall music here soca over here
0: mm-hmm.
1: and everyone was kind of very separate but living in new york and being a part of this melting pot of cultures i saw that a lot of people partied together more and more and more and that's really the demographic that i wanted um to really reach and influence before influencing was a thing Um, at the time. So I kind of, you know, started doing more interviews and posting it on the blog. And fashion has always kind of been a part of what I was doing. So I said, what, you know, would define me, you know, and my audience, the who I wanted to reach best. And that's when Style and Vibes was born. So I bought the domain. I remember sitting in in Bryant Park with a good friend of mine who worked at the radio station and he taught me everything right. in about maybe about five. He's just like, you should start a blog. And I'm just like, well, what's that? And he was just like, all right. He showed me a lot of his, at the time, MySpace was really hot. And, you know, a lot of people would write essays on MySpace and, you know, people would read them. And he was an extremely talented writer and I would read all of his stuff. And we worked at the radio station together. So he's just like, I'll show you you know, the ins and outs. And at the time, like now it's so, so much easier to start a blog because you don't have to go into your back end to make updates. It made they make it so much easier. So he literally helped me set it up and told me what to do. And it's kind of been going ever since. And, you know, there've been periodic times where I would, you know, stop and then start and then stop and start. Um, just due to you know life happening and and things of that nature so I would say over the last three years have probably been the most consistent Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of been it it almost feels pretty like I just got started so even though I started so long ago Mm -hmm. um, the breaks and the inconsistency kind of took a toll on on building the brand but I think the last three years that I've spent Um, in this space has been very fruitful in terms of being able to take it to the next level.
0: Okay, so that means you would have recently celebrated your 10th year anniversary then.
1: I did, yes, yes, Yes. in October.
0: Yep, yep, I did. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. On your website, it says it originally served as an extension of your college radio program. So you have grown up with style and vibes, literally. Mm -hmm. Literally. (laughs) Yep yeah wow from university to where it is now so you mentioned something about the blogging how the blogging space has changed how have you kept up for 10 years with this blog with all of those changes i mean what have you had to do in terms of changes you mentioned like the last 3 years you've mm-hmm. been really consistent but how have all the changes in blogging affected affected you i, I think
1: that? i think the the aesthetics of it has changed i think Um, the mindset of those who started when I started versus the mindset of those who start in the last maybe two to three years, it's really not an overnight thing. And it's really much harder um, to maintain a brand and be relevant because there are so many of us in in the space now. It's It's really a good thing. It's an indication of, you know, I mean, ten years ago, when you said I'm a blogger, there. Were people, I mean, even today, in some industries, people are like, "Well, what's that? What exactly do you do?" Right. But ten years ago, it was just like even worse. So I wouldn't even say that I'm a blogger. I would mm. say I'm a freelance writer. Mm. And that was and, and the blog was a space that allowed me to gain access to getting these interviews. Um, right. And at the time there weren't a lot of, a lot of magazines were shutting down. Um, so freelance writing opportunities became less frequent paid opportunities, even more, even, even less frequent. Right. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the Huffington post came and kind of changed the game a little bit for, for everyone because they had contributing writers, who weren't being paid, they were just contributing to a community. Mm. But it built this entire news outlet for all these varying varying things. And then, you know, not to mention, everyone was very siloed. So even when the idea of a lifestyle blog wasn't even really a concept. Um, so being able to say, I am a Caribbean blogger. A lot of people in the room, if it, what if I if I were in a Caribbean audience, they're like, I'm not really sure what that is. <laughs> <If> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in the room with, you know, urban blog or or you know other bloggers within the entertainment industry, they're like, oh, okay, but it wasn't completely relevant to one party or the other. But mm-hmm. I knew that the vision was there. I knew that the people, I knew that people like me wanted to see more content in that space. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I guess sticking with it over time is probably has allowed me the longevity of being able to to sustain. But it, it really is difficult to, to sustain yourself, especially, you know, I don't need my life financed by my blog. So I'm not trying to work with every single brand or cover, cover every single story. I knew mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be gossip. I wanted mm-hmm. it to be a little bit more thought-provoking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that was the angle that I took. in and, and gossip was very easy to to take a handle on. And, you know, people love gossip. So mm-hmm. it's easy to get, you know, sight hits and understanding, you know, um, the audience. That's easy. People engage with that very easily. But I knew I wanted to do something more long-term. Yeah. So I was with being steady and staying in my lane of the kind of content that I wanted to see um, on a platform. But I think what you said is so important people underestimate
0: how difficult it is to be a blogger because you are, con- you have to consistently create content and your content mm-hmm. has got to be interesting and engaging mm-hmm. and you've got to stand out. And sometimes I go online, well, sometimes I should say all the time I'm online and I follow all these people. And sometimes it just looks like everybody's saying the same thing, but in different ways. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's difficult to be interesting. So I always say hats off to you bloggers because I know I couldn't do it. Like I, my life is just not interesting enough, firstly, mm-hmm. to create content around. But I would mm-hmm. find it so difficult to constantly, you know, you have to really think of content and how do you make content interesting and then how do you stand out? It's very difficult, I think, to be a blogger. I think people underestimate how hard it is to be a blogger.
1: Really yeah, because, I mean, you're... So You are definitely wearing multiple hats. I mean, if you're taking it, it's different if you're blogging and it's just a hobby. And I think that that's okay. There are a lot of people who just want to write for writing sake and it's just a space for them to have an outlet. And that's, that's more than okay. But if you're trying to build a business, whether you're trying to have part-time income or replace your, 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 Nine to five, or what you, whatever you're currently doing, um, to run a blog, or if you're using your blog platform as the resume to get you to the next level, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a piece that a lot of people forget.
0: Right. Um, yes. yes you
1: have to you have to take it very seriously in the sense that you almost want to look at it as a business. I mean, yep. ultimately, you know, you're wearing you're you're doing PR, you're doing content, you're doing strategy, you're doing marketing you about social and then now it's not just blog content it's social content and yes. how am i going to um disperse this information it's newsletters it's understanding seo it's understanding video it's being yeah. a producer you know you have to wear many hats because you're bootstrapping the entire operation to make yeah. it look like it's you know this huge platform and if you talk to bloggers who are uber successful now they all had to go through that bootstrapping period and it is tough and i think the the ones who are entering the market now it's even tougher because there's so many more people and saturated. they see the it's it's not necessarily saturated i think i mean there are a billion pizza shops all True. like in, yeah. in my one city there's a pizza shop on every other corner Mm. But it doesn't take away from each individual. Like they're popular for their own reason, yeah. um, and if they're not, they just won't be around in the, in a few years. But Maybe over the last ten true. years, there are still those main twenty to thirty pizza shops that aren't going anywhere, and they've been yeah. able to sustain them- themselves over time. You yeah. add all the different cities; you have pizza shops everywhere. So yeah. I think it's good for being having. A, a market that has a lot of other people in it mm-hmm. just validates that you're in the right space. I think right. um, it, it, it validates your vision because I mean, even back then, I'm just like, you know, should I even be doing this? I'm really, you know, the only one that's in the space. You know, is my so vision good thing, or yeah. is it just off? So yeah. you go a lot of, but once I started seeing other people in the space that helped validate why I was in the space in the first place. Yeah. Um, So I think the, the, the market having a lot of people in it kind of helps there's their strength in numbers. So Mm -hmm. if I can say, you know, well, it's not just my blog. There are 10 other bloggers who are doing similar content and it's basic. It's not, we all have our own different angles, but we have, a similar audience, it kind of says, "Okay, well, this kind of gives it some validation mm-hmm. around it." I, I I think that you know the saturation is, is a good thing, mm-hmm. um, and, and it really helps us build a unit together as a, as opposed to looking at it as, "Oh, you know, there are too many people in the space. How am well, I going to stand out?" Just, just yeah, yeah. I I yeah. think you can get bogged down with you know trying to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, So much that there's nothing really that new. So, you know, you just want to do it in a way that feels natural to you. I can get on any platform. I can talk about music and Caribbean culture and style and be engaging in a conversation all day, every day. So it's natural to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it gets gets tricky for people who are in a space that they really don't want to be in. But they're trying to be there and then they get frustrated because, you know, things aren't going well or the money isn't coming in. I mean, right. these are things I can talk about even if I wasn't getting paid. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's the beauty of being able to, to talk about things that are pass- you're passionate about on your platform because you can't do it anywhere else. No one can tell you what mm-hmm. to talk about on your platform because it's yours you have to be tailored when you're talking on other people's platforms you get edited and it changes but on your platform that you own it's it's it, it you can talk about anything so i think the internet has allowed us to to make ourselves more accessible and resources are abundant to kind of start your own thing. And even if it doesn't do well, it still serves a purpose because you've tried it. You mm. can take these skills and they're transferable. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Across across multiple industries. So I, I think it's 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 super interesting. And even now getting in, I, I think the misunderstanding is that if you start now you're going to be a successful blogger in six months. And <laughs> you have to make no $10,000 in your first year of blogging. Like, I think those are the misconceptions that people yeah. have. And a lot of it has to do with the marketing of, of bloggers to other bloggers about how you can do this like them. But in, in, in actuality, you have to walk your own path. Everyone else is giving you the tools and the resources, but you still have to walk the walk yourself. So Mm -hmm. if you're attending, you know, a a webinar or seminar or getting advice from XY, XY blogger, then make sure that you're willing to do the work to execute afterwards
0: right right okay so let's shift conversation a little bit you start off as a blogger then you become an influencer and then before you know it you're a brand ambassador okay so brands are reaching out to you and they want you to represent them etc etc how
1: does that all happen how does that work uh, i i think it's a bit twofold it's yeah because I, I I didn't focus on collaborating with brands. Yeah. I focused on being consistent with content. Okay. And talking about brands that I found truly interesting. Um and so and I did make some mistakes in talking about brands that were just eh. Um but I, <laughs> I saw I it, it kind of goes back to what I just said about being able to to talk passionately about things that you're not that crazy about. Mm. It's hard to to have a real authentic conversation around something that you're not interested in, or you don't like that much. And you're only doing it for the money. And I've done that. And it was mm. It was a, it was a horrible mistake. You know, those are the mistakes that you make, but I'm mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm not going to turn down this sponsored post because you know, they're paying and no one else is paying right now. Yeah. Um, but it, it ended up being something I'm like, mm, I don't know if I really should. So now I can, I can be a little bit more selective, even if the brand isn't offering X amount of dollars Um, but I really like it and I really like, you know, where they're going and what they're doing, um, and, and see the vision as clearly as they do. That's an easy conversation to have, you know, um, online with, with other people, because one, I have experience with this product or brand Two, It really represents the essence of the style and vibes audience Mm -hmm. and, Three, you know, I don't have a problem talking about it. Um, so it makes it, it makes it that much easier to make sure you have a consistent content on your blog or whatever your, your platform space is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have numbers to kind of show. Or even if you don't have huge numbers, you have a certain level of quality and consistency that's in line with what brands are looking for. So Mm -hmm. it's, but it's also not about brands reaching out to me. It's about me reaching out to brands. And I've had Ah, to learn that the hard way because Mm -hmm. I think we have this, we have this misconception that every brand, a blogger works with, they were handpicked by that particular brand. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, I think having, being able to, to build, relationships with other people. People have recommended me for campaigns. Mm. Um, I've completed a campaign previously for free and they liked it. So they wanted to come back and do something paid. Um, Or I've pitched an idea to a particular brand about a story or, and what have you. And, and to be completely honest, they're all part of the blogging Industry in itself. So it's not one, one thing. And I'm still not at the level where brand, brands aren't knocking down my door to work with me. Mm. Um, there, there are a few, but it's not like a whole list of people that I, I'm like, nope, 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 yes, nope. That doesn't happen. Um, so I think you have to also be willing to pitch what you have and what you bring to the table. And you can't do that without a certain level of consistency and organization. So if you're reaching out to, to a different brand, you're pitching yourself and your ideas and you have to be willing to take the nose. Um, You know, pitches will stay out there for like a couple months. Um, As we speak, I have like two pitches that have gone unanswered in the last, you know, two months, but I'm not dwelling on it. It's probably a no because I've, I've reached out and followed up, but I, I, it doesn't stop me from pitching elsewhere. Um, Mm. because I do see the value and if they, and, and, and brands don't necessarily see the value right away. Um, so I think that's also important to understand that a no just means you're not a good fit right now or you're not really a good and it's okay to not be a good fit for a brand just like my platform isn't for everybody i'm not going to attract everybody to my particular platform mm. every brand isn't going to want to work with every single demographic and that's that's um, understandable
0: i'm glad you um clarified that because i think there are a lot of people i mean myself included who assume you get approached by brands and that most most of the
1: time that's how it works. And, and usually know- it's not even it's not even the brand, it's the agency that yeah, of that course the brand, the brand represents and I think, you know, cold pitching and and that sort of thing sometimes to the brand unless you know that okay, I know that this is a bootstrap brand and they only have like maybe 5 people that work on the brand. Of course you would do it direct. But yeah. if you're trying to approach like a corporate brand, they're not really going to, they, they may or may not see your relevance in an email. They might not even open it. Um, but the agency is actively looking and seeking and they're, they're the ones who are doing the vetting. So you kind of have to use a bit of industry, like business knowledge about about the, the, the brands themselves. Like research these brands that you want to to work with and follow them on social, interact with them and then reach out. So it's, it's almost like a, a soft pitch. Like, you know, I don't cold pitch anybody that I haven't interacted with in the last 30 days, but if they're on my radar for something particular, I'm going to go and I'm going to engage. I'm going to like, I'm going to comment just so that they see me in their feed Mm. on a regular basis. That's kind of, and then, and then reach out and say, Hey, X, Y, Z. Um, I think, it's not a overnight thing where you, it's about relationships and right. building relationships over time. Right. And, and sometimes you do have to do cold pitches and sometimes you get a no and sometimes you get lucky and they happen to be looking for someone to work with and they'll say yes. And they like what you do. So you, it, it's really a numbers game and really putting yourself out there um before you know people are starting to want you to work with them mm.
0: now let's talk a little bit about working actually working with brands so you have the contract you know, the re- the arrangement has been made etc cetera, etc cetera. talk to us a little bit about what that is like how do you actually work with the brand what is that process like do they come with their very sort of well drawn up drafted idea of what they want you to do or do you actually have control over what you're going to do for them
1: i like to have con- creative control of the story because it, it makes it feel authentic there are you know some key items that they want you to mention mm. um, within especially if they're like in a campaign type of mode yeah. um, or it's within a particular time frame um and some some like smaller brands don't necessarily have a contract. They're especially if it's like a product, they're like, I'll send you this product, can you do a review? Or can you do a video review or just you know post it? And I think also people people mistake PR for sponsored content. Mm. Um so someone sending me a press release about a new item launching they just want me to share it on my platform and you there are some people who just copy and paste right out of you know the the press release and put it into their to their post i'll take elements of it but kind of put my spin on on what exactly that particular launch is and that's just pr um that's a, a a sponsored post that's not a review um, so that's one aspect um, if a brand sends me a particular product to review i don't i don't get paid to do sponsored like i, I don't want to do sponsored reviewed of products um, because I think it kind of doesn't uh, it, it allows me to be biased um, mm. and quite literally if i don't want to I don't want to review this particular product because I don't think I'm going to give a good review on it. I'll respond back and say, I don't think I can give a good review. And this is why, because then it's not made public Mm. in a bad way, but it it allows me to keep, because you never know what that brand or that person is going to be working on in the future. So I've never put anything negative that I didn't like personally on the site for that reason. If I put it on there, it's because I really like it. Um, and But if it is a product that I like, I'll kind of take points that they give me, create the story, or it, let them know what I'm going to do. I don't necessarily detail, but some brands do want detailed information or they want to review the video before it goes live or they want to review the content before you post it because they can then also have edits. So it's really up to you. Every brand is very, very different. No brand does the same thing. And I've worked with the gamut of I just want to do a giveaway or I just want you to, you know, take pictures with the product and share it on social, Um, a paid contract where I'm talking about a brand in video online in their retail launch That sort of thing. So it really runs the gamut. Uh, I think understanding exactly what you want to do. And that took a while to to fine tune too. So I no longer really do um, too many. I don't do too many. I don't do reviews for money. Mm -hmm. Um, If I like it and I'll post it on my own, send it to me, I'll review it and that's fine. Um, I'll do sponsored posts that are genuine um, and I'll do social media that is also genuine to, because to, to, I'm very mindful of, of the audience um, and, and they're definitely looking at me. If, if it's off, it doesn't fit. Um, so I think that that's important. Understanding what types of content you want to make money from and yeah. understanding because it, it allows you the limitations, and understanding the kinds of brands that you want to work with mm-hmm. is important. And then once the brand is going to have their um, their requirements, are you okay with the requirements that they they have? Um, and then if not, you there there's a negotiation process. I think um, you you don't have to take. at at face what they they are offering in the sense that if you see more value in what you're bringing to the table you can attempt to negotiate back with okay say they want 10 social posts within a week and you're like no that's too much for my audience how about 10 social posts over two weeks because if it if it feels too salesy Mm-hmm. you know It does. T- it doesn't get the engage, and they're not going to get the engagement that that they want out of the campaign because if I'm constantly posting, you know, about just products and 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 brand engagement, it's not really authentic because then it doesn't feel as 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 real, really embedded. I I think it's a challenge. I mean, I see people do it. They mo- promote multiple products at the same time, and I'm just like how is this even possible? Like, how can you use three different curly hair products at the same time and be genuine about posting about all of them? Um, So it's something that I notice and it's more or less a preference that I, a stance that I have taken in working with brands. So I won't work with, you know, two hair care brands at the same time, or I won't work with, you know, two people in the same, in the same, for me, again, it's definitely about longevity and building over time, um, really good relationships and, and executing things that I know I can have an affinity for.
0: Right. So you definitely have to, make sure you you know your your voice so to speak make sure that you understand your blog's voice know who you want to work with and make sure whoever it is that you want to work with fits with your voice or your theme or your audience and and whatnot at the end of the day correct correct okay and what is it like working with caribbean blogs versus say american blogs or caribbean american blogs is there a difference
1: um In for brands working with for brands working with caribbean blogs
0: yeah or or with you generally if you have experience working with like say caribbean american blogs or strictly caribbean blogs versus just a general american um sorry not blogs brands i'm saying the mm-hmm. wrong thing brands is there a difference
1: would you say it really it really yes it really depends on on and and I hate to generalize, mm. um, so it really depends on the business savvy of the brands that you're working with. Of course, so that that or where they are in their growth phase. Um, so newer newer brands are always going to. It really it really depends. There's no one size fits all that. and it's it's more about understanding my our culture is important to to you know moving the needle um yeah. and it really helps um but I do find it challenging um for Caribbean brands to really work with Caribbean bloggers mm. because They are much more interested in in the reach of, say, um, a fashion bomb daily. Mm -hmm. That's a huge fashion site. I'll use that as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, And Claire does amazing work with fashion, and she has featured a few Caribbean designers. Mm -hmm. Um, But my platform is exclusive to Caribbean designers. Mm -hmm. Uh, but my inbox isn't blowing up with press releases from Caribbean designers by any means. Mm -hmm. I found out, I find out a lot of it through, um, you know, there's a few agencies that will send me information Mm -hmm. and some of it is like, it's kind of incomplete. It's not like a complete pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not a lot of information or I have to go and find and search for things Um, So the level of packaging in terms of being able to do a solid campaign to do outreach um, is, is, is interesting. I don't get a lot of, I'll I'll get a lot of things in my like Instagram, you know, private message section. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, reach out to me. I'm like, well, you're a brand who reached out to me. Right. there should be some follow-up on your end right because i can't i can't necessarily i i don't understand the concept of you know you want to work with me but you have no idea about how you want to work with me um mm. i think you should have some sort of pre, pre, like understanding of even if you've glanced glanced my platform once or even my social media you kind of get an idea um so I, I think the intent in terms of communication mm-hmm. is sometimes lacking, but that doesn't mean that they're not talented or they don't have the know-how. or They're just a younger brand. They're not as exposed to the, the competitiveness that it is here. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, get, I'll get emails from, like, agencies here, and it's like a two-page essay on this product and, or this event. Um, with with pictures and with video. So it makes it that much easier to post because all of the information is completely packaged in a way that makes it easy for me to to share, whether it be on social media or on the blog itself. If I have to hunt and peck for all the information myself or if it's all over the place, it it does make it more more challenging. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to post it. Um, but it, it doesn't have the sense of urgency that it would for a brand who kind of approaches a blogger in the right way. And, and, and I'm sure it's the same vice versa um, when, when I'm pitching brands. You know, I, yeah, the, the link to my website is at the bottom of my email, yeah. but if I want them to see something specifically relevant to this pitch that I've previously done – yeah, I'm going to put the specific link to that particular post. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's little nuances like that, I think. And it really just depends on who's behind the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that it's ne- like small brands here tend to do the same thing. They're like, hit me up. And I'm just like, I don't even, who, who is me? There was no yeah. proper introduction yeah. Like your brand name and who you are that I'm talking to is completely different. Um, or, Hey, can you feature this? Or, Hey, can you, Hey, do you even know? I mean, you know, I, I get it. We're, we're living in a, a fast paced world where so everything, no, there's be. no
0: introduction. There's no, let's have a chat. I want to learn about you. Da, da 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 It's just boom, boom, boom. This is it. And there,
1: there's a way to approach being direct. So yeah. it's, hi, my name is such and such. I really like your platform. I was thinking about, w- would you be interested in posting XYZ? It's XYZ. It's launching XYZ. Like those are things. Sure, I could just say, yeah, I can repost this right now. Or yes, I can feature it, you know, on Monday. Send me some more information uh, or, or send me a link to where I can find some more information about your product. And that, I I think that there, there's a way to approach a quick, hey, Mm. it's not just, hey, do this for me. Like, ultimately, that's what you want them to do. But, you know, there is, you know, some tact that has to be, you know, used when, when, when approaching anyone. I mean, approach.
0: Sounds like there's a lack of, of business savvy and professionalism generally in that whole space.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, because I think social media makes it easy to feel like you 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 have a personal relationship with people and brands and that's really not the case. Right. I want
0: to talk a little bit now about the downsides of being a brand ambassador because very recently, are you familiar with um with L'Oreal mm-hmm. and their their diversity campaign? They recently had someone named Amina. Amina is based in the UK. And she is a hijabi blogger, influencer, et cetera, et cetera, right? And L'Oreal recently put her in one of their hair campaigns. And she was marketed as the first hijabi, uh, you know, L'Oreal ambassador to be featured in a hair campaign. Within, I think like, I think the campaign came out at the beginning of the year. It, It was very short and she stepped down from the campaign, okay? and the reason why she stepped down from the campaign is because apparently she made some controversial remarks about um the israeli palestinian political situation ab- like a few years ago and there weren't mm-hmm. there were some people who were just unhappy with the fact that there was a hijabi on this brand they found the tweets and um it went viral all over the internet a few days later she dropped off the campaign. She sent yeah. out this apology um, tweet saying that she's very upset about the hurt that she caused, yada yada yada, and she's no longer going to be a part of the campaign. Now there are people saying L'Oreal is a very um, L'Oreal is a, a strong supporter of Israel. I think most people know that. So there are people saying that um, she was bullied into leaving the campaign because L'Oreal said, you know, we don't disagree with her stepping down. There are people saying that she's a, a sellout. Um, there are people saying that, you know, all these different things. And then I think sometime was it last year or a few years ago, there was another situation with L'Oreal with Monroe Bergdorf, the um the trans activist and model. Mm-hmm. I think within a week she was she was L'Oreal's face for something. And then within a week they dropped her because she made some comments about black lives matter and and etc etc so now the new thing that everybody's saying in social media is that L'Oreal only likes diversity when it suits them and they they don't really want diversity and they're not really about championing that they just want Mm -hmm. to to sort of be on the the bandwagon or the train of whatever is hot and whatever is new and I think um all of this had me thinking, you know, this is sort of the negatives of becoming a brand ambassador because you don't realize who's watching, who's listening, who's paying attention and how we can affect your career. Because mm-hmm. someone like Amina, for example, she got to where she is because of her community who happens to be majority Muslims. And she makes these remarks and then all of her community are looking at her and they're like, oh, you're a cop out, you're a sellout, you know, you don't want to stand up for what you believe in. And it's almost like you're bowing down to this big brand and they've kind of bullied you into stepping mm-hmm. down. And now everyone's saying, okay, her career is over. If you go onto her Instagram, she said, you know, I really need to rethink this and I'm going to come back stronger in a few days, but people need to understand that I'm a completely different person now. That's where she is. If you look at where Monroe is, apparently Monroe was picked up by a, another, like a, I think a competitor brand of L'Oreal's, like a week or two later who was like, we're happy to have her on board mm-hmm. because she speaks her truth and she champions diversity. So mm-hmm. it just had me thinking about the fact that being a brand ambassador, you have to be very careful <laughs> because you, it's almost like you can't, you, can't, you can't have an opinion like with certain brands and you, mm-hmm. can't, you can't say how you really feel and you can't really be yourself because you have, um, you, you have now become the face of this, this global brand. So, what do you think about I don't know if you knew about this, but what do you think about all of this
1: I, I'm not familiar with the examples, but I have seen mm. you know similar situations yeah um, with with brands themselves you know the whole dove thing when they had the 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 black lady and the white lady and, you know, pulling over her shirt and she became white. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> after <laughs> after using Dove, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it kind of goes both ways. Mm. Um, brands have to be a little bit more interested in the people they call ambassadors. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And brand ambassadors have to be Extremely in line with the culture, mm-hmm. the corporate culture and the mm-hmm. vision behind um, behind a brand yeah and with especially with these bigger deals. so I, I haven't done anything as big as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if if a brand of that nature really approached me it would have to be super, super, super relevant to to my audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, and just like L'Oreal picking up Amina, they they were now responsible for all the things that she had said prior. Mm-hmm. I am responsible for all the things that they have said or done prior as well. Mm-hmm. So I have to be willing to defend that brand publicly um even if they mess up, even mm. if they get it wrong. And I think you're seeing that a lot with like Shea Moisture and the decisions that they've made over the last two to three years. There have been extreme advocates that, you know, really stay with them. And then there have been extreme people who are very disappointed in, in the vision that they have taken on. But at the end of the day, it's business. Like mm. from at the, you know, at, at at the cornerstone of it, brands are doing business with people. People are do, doing, you know, our representations of, of a particular brand. You're doing business with people. You're not doing business with the brand, but you're, you're, you're also attached to that brand's legacy because you've worked with them in a way that, will be, it's almost like adding something to your resume, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. working with brands. So you want to be mindful that you're not just attaching to your, the brand of where it is right now, but where that brand is going in the future. And you don't have the right to tell a brand what to do and how to do it. So they can take your likeness and use it in a way, in any way, depending on your paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to be accepting of that, or you have to negotiate what your terms are up front. And if that means walking away, it also means walking away. So I think the responsibility is not just on the brands, but also on the ambassadors themselves Mm. to make sure that, is this really in line with what you want to do? Like, I don't think, I don't see the point in working with a brand that you don't really see the vision for it. and so I'll give you an example so over over the last uh the holiday I was working um with Digicel in the diaspora mm-hmm. and we were doing, you know work on the street mm-hmm. and you stop people and they're like hey um I'm with Digicel and they're literally cussing you out because their minutes got taken away, and <laughs> of you're the right person, and you just have to literally suck it up because this is what you you really signed up for, and I, and I think Caribbean people will be like they're the litmus test for being able to 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 stand your ground and and be be challenged in that way because they're gonna give it to you straight if you represent any Caribbean brand and and fit them clothes fall off or you know something happens and yeah, they're yeah. happy and you're at the event at an event where they see you first they mm-hmm. think that you're the person that did that and mm-hmm. you have to be like you have to massage the situation but that's what you signed up for
0: yeah you know?
1: so it's not just about getting a paycheck you have to be able to take on the the brand entity and represent them in a way that is also a representation of yourself. So if your core values as a person or a blogger or an ambassador don't align with that of the brand, just walk away. If they do, take take the position with that in mind mm. and understand that just as much as it's a positive thing, there are negatives about every brand partnership.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of these brands, uh, sorry, these current bloggers influences a lot of them don't come from a business background right a lot mm-hmm. of them they've been on youtube they've they've done the ig they've they've blown up their community they've got over a million followers etc cetera, etc cetera. amazing and then all of a sudden they're getting approached by these multi-billion dollar pound corporations to become ambassadors right mm-hmm. everyone gets excited but like you said no one's really sitting down and reading between the lines and understanding who they're working with and thinking about, okay, is this in line with my vision? And wow, this is a big company. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot mm-hmm. that you have to think about. And I think mm-hmm. that comes with a business mind, which mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure a lot of these influencers and ambassadors have depending on, just, just, just depending on their mindset, depending on their background, I don't know. But it also alerts me to the fact that you have to be very careful about what you say. You, you almost can't be too political because <laughs> these big brands don't want to be associated with controversial people, you know? So they'll, it's, it's just funny how they'll pick you up and within a week they'll drop you. And I think that sends a clear sign to a lot of people getting into this industry that, like you said, you, the responsibilities on both sides, because at, at the end of the day, it's business, right? Mm -hmm. and they don't want to be affiliated with anyone that's going to bring any kind of negative attention. And obviously, we don't know what happens behind the scenes. We don't know what conversations are being had. We don't know if she was paid a quick sum of money to just kind of, you know, okay, drop down, get out of the way, we pay you this money. We don't know what really happened, but Mm. ultimately, it can ruin your career. That's essentially Mm. what what can happen at the end of the day. And I think that's something that a lot of people getting into this industry have to, to think about you
1: know? definitely agree. Yeah, definitely agree.
0: And that's, that's a shame. But yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a big thing. And what's really sad about with Amina, I mean, with Monroe, it's okay because Monroe was instantly, I guess you could say it's okay. She was instantly picked up by a competitor who saw it as an opportunity to kind of cash in on the fact that, you know, this competitive brand dropped her and whatnot. But for Amina, it's just sort of, okay, she's been dropped she was the first woman wearing a hijab to star in a major hair campaign. And now mm-hmm. she's just gone. You know, no one's hearing anything from her and everybody's just kind of sitting back and waiting to see how is she going to emerge from this? And it's, it's kind of sad actually. I think it's kind
1: of sad. I mean, I think, I think she can take it and, and, and spin it in a way that, I mean, you'd be surprised. Or, or she, she
0: can come back stronger. She could come back yeah,
1: stronger. Yeah. The, 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 your your audience, the people that love you are super forgiving. I mean mm. in a day and age where R. Kelly can still exist and make oh <laughs> music. Like I think Amina has a strong comeback story to, mm. to be told. So I, mm. I don't think I don't think that, you know, this this is just a setback. Mm-hmm. And you know, at, at the time like people I I think Especially when it comes to diversity and, and mm. this is about people of color, oh yeah, navigating oh, yeah. in any space where they are not dominant mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: We are expected to be picture perfect at yeah. all times, yep our views are supposed to be pretty and rainbowish, and unfortunately, the world is not set up that way right. and I live in a country where I have the head of state who can quite literally say anything he wants and gets away with it. Oh God! My tweets from five years ago shouldn't be relevant, but it's only relevant. Well, it should. It shouldn't hinder me from 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 being a part of a particular campaign. And to me, that really sends a bad message that. They're willing to bow down so easily, to to to. It, it makes me look at the brand very oh, yeah. differently. Of course, because of course. It, it it it's just like oh, you have no balls. You can't stand up to a little heat in the kitchen. Um, yeah. so it's just like you know, eh, okay, well maybe she wasn't a fit for that particular brand, you know. But I think that they should have stood by her in the sense that you know they have already contracted with her and and that that news is only going to subside for i mean people want to boycott things all the time and i yeah. don't think i think it's unnecessary yeah but you know you have to be a little bit more clear in your vision uh, of what you wanted to try like at least they tried to implement this but if you keep trying and then peddling back that makes it seem like okay well maybe you're not really serious and about And this is thing. the second the quote, time that di- diversity thing.
0: It was yeah like, exactly cuz first someone wrote right. and now I'm yeah. not. So it's kind of like yes. maybe you're not really serious. Like you
1: you just want to <laughs> be in the space just to be relevant. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that but at least approach it with some authenticity and I'm pretty sure previous cover like you know representatives of the brand have done or said things that were weren't the best, and right. they didn't drop them because because of those those things that they have said um, previously. And and you know ultimately, if she stands by what she said at that time, you know people have the right to change their minds. Like I don't Absolutely. even know what she said. And people had the have their right to change and, and grow. I mean, this was twenty
0: fourteen, yeah. and she said, you know, it's been. How many every years? And I'm not the same person, yada yada yada. But ultimately, it's all political because Monroe was a, is a transgender model, and Amina is a very public Muslim wearing.
1: Yeah, he, he and one one is and, safer than the other.
0: Yeah, and I and um and both, like you said, are women of color, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. politics around that. And right. I guess they just can't handle it. But I right. brought that up just to to add some flavor to this conversation because it just goes to show that everybody's got to be on their peas and pews, and mm-hmm. and don't assume that oh I'm gonna be a blo- uh, a brand ambassador and da 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 and it's all going to be a bed of roses because it's not.
1: No, it, not. it isn't.
0: Yeah. And like you said, you have to be selective about who you want to work with and make sure you do your research
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, just make sure you know what you're getting yourself into.
1: Yeah. pretty much. And I think most people, they're excited and, and I get that excitement. Everyone is excited when that first brand approaches them or, you know, they get that first, it, it's a natural excitement that you have. Yes. Um, but you, you definitely want to be mindful and, and try it, make the mistake. Like it's okay. You know, you live long, you learn and you take it. If it's not the right fit, it's not the right fit. Yeah. If it is then continue to build, build upon that relationship that you have. So. Yeah. So what final
0: words do you have for our community? Remember our community are all women who have ideas or they're aspiring or they've just started out so they're very curious about how to begin the the blogging and how to eventually work with these brands so what what departing words do you have for uh, the lovely birds who are looking to get into
1: into the area that you're very experienced in i think start be consistent and hone your authentic voice and approaching brands will be much easier than trying to be something or someone that you're not
0: wonderful. And if there's anyone listening who wants to get in contact with you or work with you, because you are also the founder of tell us carib influencers.
1: Yeah. So that's a pretty new um, venture that I have started. It's kind of a collective of Caribbean content creators, men and women, Yep. Um, so I definitely want to welcome more men into this space. Yes, men. Um, <laughs> well, um, yeah. So, I mean, you can reach out to me on social media, I'm um, Style and Vibes on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I also have a Facebook. It's Facebook.com slash Fly Caribbean um, Chic, C-H-I-C. Um, at the end. Um, and then email is always good info at style and, and we can kind of just collab and, and talk about, you know, whatever it is that you have going on. Um, I'm more than willing to, to have a conversation.
0: Perfect. So you're looking for collaborators, you're looking for influencers, um, people who are obviously aligned with with your vision, but you're happy to have a conversation, which is nice.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm also looking for contributors to the blog itself. So Ah. I'm looking to add um, voices outside of myself um, for Style and Vibe. So I'm definitely looking for um, some freelance writers um, writers. who are in the diaspora or even global um, in the region um, with respect to um, fashion and music and culture. Um, And as well as connecting with other brands who are kind of up and coming and want to reach, you know, our demographic um, Caribbean content creators for curb influencers is a great um, platform. I, I have a Facebook group as well as an email newsletter that goes out monthly and we have a series of meetups that are coming up in New York city. So if you're in the area and would like to, you know, um, show up and you can be a brand or a content creator, you know, I'm more than happy to have you with us. So, I mean, sign up for the newsletter, caribfluencers.com. And you'll see more about what we have coming up in the future.
0: Good. And you have events. So when is your next event? Do you have it planned yet?
1: Yeah. So we're planning a meetup for the end of March. I have to finalize the location before I start promoting. Okay. Um, I'm bringing back Caribbean digital divas. which is going to be in May. And that is focused around women in Caribbean, women in entertainment. Um, And then the rest of the, we want to do something for Caribbean American heritage month in June. Um, And then we do have a series of other plans. Um, We want to do a male panel in, I think October, November. So we actually have the panelists lineup. We just have to um, finalize the date and the location.
0: Nice um,
1: male
0: panel. So okay, a male panel. Men yeah. Speak. yeah, it's so nice when the men speak because they hardly ever speak.
1: <laughs> I know. So we're putting them <laughs> on the spot. Putting them on the spot. There are a lot of great men who are in the culture doing
0: and they
1: have yeah. doing great things as well. So I really want to give them a platform to kind of talk about, you know, what they're doing and and how we can kind of work together to right. kind I'll of push it. the culture forward.
0: Brilliant. Okay, people. So that's Style and Vibes, Carib Influencers. Then you can check out uh, Caribbean Digital Divas, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on and events. So do make contact and follow Mikella on social media because there's a lot going on. It sounds like you have an exciting year coming up. So
1: yes, yes, definitely. All that.
0: Okay. Thank all you right. so much. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much for being on, Michaela. And we look forward to having you on again. Maybe when things have grown a bit more with Caribbean Influencers and all the other stuff that you're doing, you can come back and tell us. By, by then, I'm sure you'll be working with Nike or something. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you'll be like, uh, Yeah, from your... From your- <laughs> god's ears that's all i'll say
0: <laughs> okay thank you so much all right Lovely words. i hope you have been inspired and you've learned heard something and at the end of the day you just kind of have to go out there and do it so all right bye see you bye. next time